Welcome to Yapo Live, featuring conversations with top D2C leaders. On September 12th at Yapo's conference, Destination D2C, Ryan Bobenzian of Greats, Dave Cho of Soko Glam, and Rachel Cohen of Snow Home sat down with Anna Hinsel of Modern Retail to share insider tips, industry trends, and much more. Thank you uh, for joining us, everyone. And um, we are here to talk about growth, which is a uh, super open ended topic, a lot to talk about, which I'm excited about. Um, so my name is Anna. I'm a reporter with Modern Retail. Um, and today we have with us um, co-founders of three uh, great different brands, Soko Glam, Greats, and Snow. Um, so I'd like to just kick it off with, um, you know, if each of you can just tell us a little bit about your company for those in the audience who don't know. Um, and since we're talking about growth today, just like what's kind of one big challenge, uh, a growth-related challenge you're trying to tackle right now as, you know, your companies have gotten really big. So Dave, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I'm Dave, one of the co-founders of Soko Glam. Uh, what we do is we are the destination for Korean beauty and skincare content. So we have a content site called The Claw. We also created our own product called Then I Met You. Um, and so that's what we do. And challenges, right? So yeah. uh, challenges of growth right now, I think it's about, I think we'll talk a lot about this. It's going to be about how do you figure out how fast you want to grow in um, like in your industry and so that's probably about raising capital and how much you want to raise and you know we're more of a bootstrapped company so that's always been a topic that we wanted to kind of broach so that's always been a challenge. Yeah all right and Ryan? Um, Ryan Babenzine I'm the founder of Greats digital native footwear brand. Um, challenges and growth. I, I look I think we all have different growth goals and that kind of defines where the challenges will arise. Um, raising capital is always one of them. Distribution may be another. Production may be another. Um, which I, again I think we'll talk about in detail but yeah. I can, I'm happy to talk about all of those. <laughs> yeah. th those are unique to greats probably or maybe not. Snow, snow as well. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Cohen. I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Snow. We're building the destination for home for the next generation. And what that means is we started with home essentials or what we call home essentials, bed linens, bath linens, and tabletop. Kind of think your jeans and white t-shirt of the home. And from that building out from there, all luxury quality at a really accessible price point, but more than anything, simplifying the whole experience of shopping for the home. In terms of challenges, I think these two touched upon a lot of them, but one of the things we've been dealing with with growth is challenges in predicting spikes in demand or spikes in demand in one category over another. So as you're planning inventory and looking at historicals, often at this growth phase, historicals don't really mean anything to be able to predict those growth phases. Yeah. So having inventory in stock for when we're going to see those spikes is one of the things that's definitely challenging. Yeah. All right. Lots to talk about. Um, so we were all on a call earlier this week and, you know, we're talking about growth. How do you map out your plan for your company? And really, I think what we decided on is, okay, it depends on do you bootstrap? Do you take VC funding? Um, so first of all, who here has taken venture capital funding? Ryan, Rachel, okay. Um, and so why Smart did you? Man. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so I guess we'll start with the VC folks first. Um, why did you decide to take VC funding? And tell us a little bit about um, just kind of what went into that decision and like which investors you chose um, to take funding from. Yeah, I can go first, sure. Um, I, you know, the, the idea that digital is cheaper than the old way, which was wholesale, is, is just false. Making things costs a lot of money, and making footwear in Italy costs even more money. So you need capital to, to do that. Um, the, the, the one thing that it was good about the traditional old way or wholesaling was you could actually grow the business without, as, without the need for capital because you could open 10 stores, open 20 stores, open 40 stores, and you were really doubling your business every time. And you could use that as a financing source to kind of build the product. But wholesale is, continues to atrophy, continues to be challenged. And it's even the stores that are, are doing well, for a young new brand, if you weren't getting paid on time, that can throw off your cash flow and that can put you out of business. So we said, look, we're gonna be digital first. Like digital first is what we wanted to do and that took capital. And the only people that were really willing to invest and to, to this day, uh, I think is venture. Um, for an early stage brand. Now, I think the opportunity for early brands right now in this very moment is less than it, it, than it was six years ago, five years ago, to raise early stage capital for anybody building a brand with physical products. So we're, it's still in a transitioning stage of like, who should you raise capital from? Um, yeah. yeah, Rachel, how did you decide who do you so, raise capital from? I think similarly, we had, we raised, no, we didn't raise a ton of money out of the gate, but we kind of took it in strides of different milestones and working with different investors at different points in time. So initial inventory, you know, building a brand that costs money and, you know, some marketing, a couple of early team members. So we did it that way, but I think the way in which we partnered with those investors were really important to us and have been really supportive in the trajectory. So we had a couple of early stage venture consumer retail focus funds that had that kind of had that capability behind them. And then we also had some retail strategic partners and, and kind of took a strategic approach that way. So I think all in all, it's still venture funding. I think it's just a matter of how you choose to go about who you partner with on it. Gotcha. And then for our bootstrapping representative, Dave, um, why, why did you decide to bootstrap your company and what have been some of the pros and cons of that? You know, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. but when we were starting out, honestly, we had no idea what the hell we were doing. And um, I think every story is just unique. The panel before said that not everyone's meant for venture capital and not everyone should raise for venture capital. Um, for us, I mean, just to put a long story short, I think that Soho Glam um, is a passion project, started as a passion project. My wife and my co-founder, Charlotte Cho, it was her idea. We were both living in Korea. I was in the military at the time, serving the US Army. She was there as an expat. We actually met on a blind date, the rest is history. We got married and all that, it's great. Um, but the idea of Soko Glam was really her outlet to share these amazing products, these amazing techniques with the rest of the world. And it just, it was one of those classic uh, entrepreneur stories where we had one article written about us 
and the site just kind of blew up and then one thing led to another um, passion project to, hey, this might be a good stay home job for one of us, turned into, oh my gosh, like this is actually a thing. And um, I did raise $2 million, not from venture capital, but um, you know, it was a small seed round. Well, it was that kind of big, big seed round, but it was really more of a friends and family round. And I'm thankful that we did that because we really had to dig deep and learn about the business just in our own way, that the only way we knew. And um, yeah, I mean, like by the time I actually raised, that was three years ago, um, I, had to, like, I, I had a very unique experience, I would say, that I had to actually reject checks. So it was great that we bootstrapped, but I don't know if it was really that strategic, to be honest with you, like 100% honest. Yeah. No, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I'm sure it's great to be in a stage where you can reject checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think whether or not you, know, you take venture capital funding, uh, when you're acquiring customers in the early days, you want to try to acquire them for as cheaply as possible, want to make sure you, know, you have good product market fit. So in the early days, tell me a little bit about how you guys went about acquiring customers um, and just determining demand. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to start. It, it, I think it's a whole host of things. And for us, the name of the game was that it was iterative. We were testing different channels. We were testing different methods. We were constantly testing. And I think not overcapitalizing out of the gate made our team have the DNA that we had to be really scrappy and be really smart and be really strategic about how we found those customers. I mean, we were doing everything from taking over one of our early investors' lofts and setting it up as a whole snow experience before we had retail stores shooting out the e to the email list that we had built up and then having hundreds of people show up at this apartment building. So like really testing ways in which we could see the demand and see what customers were saying about the product in person, getting that feedback. And I think we realized early on, well, this in-person retail experience is something that's going to be really key to what we want to do as we build the brand because we're getting that feedback loop. We're seeing when people touch and feel the product, how they're experiencing Snow, the brand, the product. And that led us to, OK, two years later, how do we open our first pop-up? How do we open our experiential showroom? So really figuring out how to take those tests and then double down on what those are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, we actually didn't do any advertising for about the first year and a half. Um, I mean, absolutely zero. And that was, you know, we were still showing this organic growth that was powered by the sneaker community. And I think that's what made it so compelling. We had perfect market fit with, with no marketing at all. And, and here we are today, cut, cut to today. I think the idea that, you know, Great companies are all great marketers, so we, we do lots of marketing now, but it's, even that has gotten uh, more challenging, not just due to cost, but because of the targeting ability of everybody. You know, like it is becoming a flat world where if you want to target anybody on this panel, you can basically do it. And all the same brands, like not even in your competitor set, are still trying to target the same customer. I have no doubt that we're going after a very similar customer totally. as everybody on this panel. So yeah. that's what's driving the cost up. So now, you know, you have to get back to the basics of like, what is the brand about? The product has to be incredible. That's table stakes. And that's where it gets, you know, over time, build, building a brand takes time. And it's not just about product. 
it's got to be something more than that. And I think that's, we're kind of going back into, people have realized that that's really important. Yeah. And Dave, I think your, yours is interesting because you know your marketplace, so it's a little different. Um, tell us a little bit about your customer acquisition tactics in the early days. So we actually hold the inventory. Um, so it, it is a little bit more of a traditional you know, customer acquisition strategy. But I'll say the, the, the two things that I think about in this is actually um, to don't be afraid to make the unpopular decision and then just really understand your customer. And I think that's the way we approached it when I look back. In the beginning, um, this was in 2012, we actually focused on PR because we knew who we were, we knew who our customers were. I think within beauty, um, so my wife, Charlotte, she came from PR, so she led up all of Samsung's PR when she was in Korea. She came on the ground in New York and she just hit the ground running and she knew that she needed to talk to beauty editors. And the funny story is actually, when she first approached beauty editors here in New York City, um, she would say, hey, I'm Charlotte Cho from Soko Glam. I'd like to talk to you about K-Beauty. And all the beauty editors would, well, some of them in the beginning would say, K-Beauty, what's K-Beauty? Is that Kardashian beauty? <laughs> and we're like, no, it's not Kardashian beauty. It's K-Beauty, we'd love to talk to you about it. And then she, Charlotte coined the 10-step uh, Korean skincare routine, which is, it just kind of went gangbusters. And so, PR was really the way that we acquired customers at the beginning. That didn't cost us anything. It was Charlotte and her sweat and work and hard work. Um, and then the other story that I have is actually, so when we launched, we just launched our own private brand called Then I Met You. It's its own skincare brand. And um, we launched it last October. We've been able to see huge growth. But again, we asked ourselves, like, don't be afraid to make the unpopular decision. And then also understand our customers and who we are. So how can we do it? And that's, about, that's all about finding opportunity, I think. So still to this day, we haven't run any ads to grow that brand. Mm. And you can look at our Instagram, you can, you know, our, our, we're very happy with our sales growth and it's been really exciting. And what we did was we really leveraged what we knew, which was about our community. So we built a community with Soko Glam, with The Clog, um, on its own Instagram handles. We were able to really then figure out how do we then tap into this new, build a new community based off of, you know, this already existing community that we had. Yeah, so you, one point you brought up that I want to follow up on is PR, because that's something that I've heard, um, you know, brands are, I don't want to say increasingly interested, but I feel like it's being talked about more as, you know, digital advertising gets more expensive. Any advice for people on like, you know, how to go about PR, um, how to maybe vet an agency? Um, my, my quick take on that is like, I think we've tried everything. So we went with, we never paid for advertising or PR for many years. And then at the, after a while, you know, you have to kind of pay to play a little bit. So we've talked to the agencies and then that, I think we found the most success by just bringing it in house. Yeah, what about you guys? Do you Same, guys we, I mean, that, that's actually how we did it. We didn't do advertising, but we did a ton of PR. And the sneaker community specifically has a lot of outlets where they will write about sneaker releases, launches, brands. Um, so that's exactly what we did. And we did most of that in-house and still do to this day. We, we don't have a PR agency. Yeah. So we initially started by partnering with an agency and then ended up bringing it in-house as we continued to grow. But I think 
to to the point, PR was also very different. I don't know, when you we launched four years ago and the whole landscape and media landscape was also really different. So for us, that was a huge part of our strategy as well, where we were building a lot of relationships directly with different editors and getting that earned media was definitely a, a wave we could ride for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and so now Ryan, I have been told by several people they want me to ask you about this. Uh, the acquisition, <laughs> you guys just recently got acquired by Steve Madden. We did. Uh, so tell me, you know, why did you decide to sell and what's next for greats as a Steve Madden brand? I, I mean, the reality was like we could either raise more capital from private equity or venture, or we could merge with a big company that understood the complexities of building a shoe brand. And that really, at the end of the day, like what we do is really hard. And capital alone wasn't going to give me immediate scale on you know production, minimums, freight, supply chain, all of the really important things that the back office needs to ha to have to b to scale a business and you know i had met steve in 2016 and i felt like those are the types of people i look up to right like people that have built three billion dollar companies the kind of old-fashioned way like that earn money and spin off a big profit that that is impressive to me <laughs> so um, it's impressive to me too <laughs> we we that's that's why we decided to go that way i think you know this is a true you know we're a subsidiary that gets to benefit from all of the things they have done for the last 30 years and applying our our ability to kind of brand and market and build a modern footwear brand um but a, but a lot of the important things are still intact you still need to do those things really well uh so capital alone was not going to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so wanted to um, just end with a few questions. And who told you to who told you to ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> Off the record. Okay. Where's my tequila, by the way? <laughs> no. Um, so wanted to end with just uh, to all get your thoughts on again common challenges you're facing as you're growing. Um, I know talent is a really big issue for any company. Are there any roles in particular that? Um, you know, you're really uh, keen on hiring for right now or like talent that's hard to find. What, what, are, what are you looking to hire for right now? I know that's a lot. <laughs> Loaded question. Yeah. Um, so I can start. We, we have a couple of key roles that we're looking for and it kind of spans across creative product and marketing right now because I think as we're continuing to scale, we focused on other aspects strategically within the business and now finding people who understand the brand from the inside out and can help take it to the next level. Or for us, we've always had creative creative direction come from within in the sense that my co-founder acts at, he's the creative director and art director, even though that's not his background. So to be able to continue to scale is bringing someone else in who can kind of take on that role. And that's something that's very delicate and precious to be able to find for the right fit as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, we're backfilling a few roles and like, but part of the thing about being within the Steve Madden umbrella, there are resources at my disposal that I necessarily don't have to hire for. Um, but I would, I would say generally, I think that CRM and digital marketing are like two kind of great paths to, to take if you're looking for 
to have a career, you know, today and moving forward. Those are two roles we've just made offers on, to be to per perfectly honest. But um, those are always critical for brands like us. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, and for me, it's just um, supply chain and operations. So um, anywhere from, I would say, like manager all the way to the VP level, we have some open positions right now. So if anybody is listening to this and interested, <laughs> you can email team at socoglam.com and you can just like said that you heard this at the <laughs> at this panel and we'll make sure we earmark it. Yeah, and I think, um, so yeah, and supply chain and logistics obviously is super important. What's some like, I don't know, logistical challenges you didn't <clears throat> anticipate or that like you're trying to work through right now? If anyone wants to volunteer. <laughs> I mean, I, I can start real quick since I just mentioned it. I think, um, so we, we ship all our products from Korea. So we are, I mean, I think that a lot of companies from the outside can look the same, but when you look under our hood, I mean, this is the background that I came from as an operator. So I think that uh, we focused a lot on that. So freight forwarding, making sure that you think about all the different costs that go into that. Anybody can do it, but I think doing it in a cost-efficient way is extremely hard and you have, to you have to constantly iterate on that. So honestly, the work is never done. So I, I, that's kind of what I would say about supply chain operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what about you guys? I think, um, I mean, just forecasting demand is huge, especially Rachel, like you, when you're getting into new categories. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things I touched upon before, where it's also, even though we're evergreen product, so it's, it's kind of a little bit paradoxical in the sense that we'll have some seasonal product, there's holiday gifting, but all in all, we have product that's evergreen, that's timeless, it never comes off our site, it will be there if you come back in four years, that's the idea of it being foundational, and yet we still see such huge spikes in demand in fourth quarter when people are shopping, so it's still bulking up on inventory, having the warehousing for it, all of the things that come where it's consolidated sales within a very short time period. Yeah. Ryan, any logistical thoughts? Yeah, I mean, thoughts? look, forecasting is a really challenging thing for all of us. Like, we had Ryan Reynolds wear a particular style about six weeks ago, and because of that, and he was covered in all this media, that shoe ev evaporated when we thought we had enough inventory for six weeks. And, like, you can't forecast that. Like, it's not in the plan. So... It's a good, it's a good problem, right? You know, selling it faster for, for no acquisition cost is, is what we want. But the more and more we do that, the more we see acceleration. Uh, even today, we're running a, we started in an ad yesterday called This Is An Ad that we did with our agency, Agency Within, which are probably out there. Oh, there's one guy. Hey, Anthony. <laughs> um, and we're seeing immediate response from this really unique ad. Now, the goal is to just like sell as much stuff as fast as you can, but you can't really, when you're running something new, you don't really know how it's gonna go and you hope for, the, these are the things we want. So selling through product faster is a good problem to have. Yeah. One quick thing, if I can add. Yeah. I know I see the clock ticking, <laughs> but uh, uh, anytime I'm down on supply chain, cause like sometimes you'll hit your highs and your lows or things get backed up uh, and you're just like angry or you're frustrated. I just like to think of my buddy who, uh, um, he was one of the co-founders of Plated mm. and uh, he and I would talk about supply chain and like I see him as like the special forces of supply chain because <laughs> the perishable I mean I can't even imagine yeah. how to deal with that so I think about that every time I'm down yeah always could be worse <laughs> all right well thank you all so much thank, thank you, you. Thank you.